Okay, we are in Lesson 34. We're looking at the third part of the sayings of the wise. We're going to finish up the sayings of the wise today. Lesson 34. We are winding down because we only have 43 lessons in our study, and so we're winding down. So let's notice now we're going to look at the 27th saying. The 27th saying. We're in Proverbs chapter 24. We're going to look at verses 15 through 16, and we're going to look at the 27th saying of the wise. Do not lie in wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Do not plunder his resting place. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. Okay, now here's the point he's making here. It is futile for the wicked to attempt to destroy the righteous and his possessions. It's futile for the wicked to attempt to destroy the righteous and his possessions. Listen, the Proverbs are obviously going to be from the perspective of the Holy Spirit. The Proverbs are encouraging you and I not to have a mindset that is focused on here and now. You and I need to live with a mindset that is eternal. Because the fact of the matter is, because you might say, well, that's really nice for him to write that, but the fact of the matter is, is if the wicked wanted to take my stuff away or if they wanted to destroy me or wipe me out, they could if they wanted to. Isn't that true? So what's the point the Proverbs is making here? The Proverbs is telling you and I to have an eternal perspective because even though the wicked may harm you here now in this world, can they ultimately take away your riches? No. Why? Because where are your riches? In heaven. See, what so happens so much, though, is we get so focused on now. We get so focused on now, and it just wipes us out. So, for instance, how many of you have had somebody do you wrong? Raise your hand. How many of you had somebody do you wrong financially? A lot of you have, right. Now, if you have a now perspective, where your focus is now, what kind of reactions are going through your mind because you just got done in financially? Retaliation, Rod says. You want revenge. You want to get back at them. Anybody else? What other kind of feelings are? What are you thinking about? Yeah, what a fool I was, okay? What else? Yeah, you wouldn't want to do it again? Okay. Your focus is on now. You're, how about being consumed with what you lost? How many of you have met folks that it may have happened 20 years ago, but it's just like yesterday to them, where they're always talking about what happened to them and how much money they lost and how they hate that person that did that to them? How many of you know somebody like that? A lot of us. In fact, you might be here today and you're like that. See, the Proverbs is saying, look, you gotta have a, you have to have an eternal perspective here. Because the fact of the matter is, where are your true riches laid up? At CNB Bank? Clearfield Bank and Trust? No, it's, it's in heaven. For those of you who don't like banks, it's in, is it in your mattress? You know? Or in a box buried in the wall somewhere? You, you see, you can't, you've got to have an eternal perspective 
Eternal perspective says it's futile for the wicked to attempt it. Because even if they do, here's the point. The righteous recover. Recovers from attacks, but the wicked find that they will suffer. See, again, this is eternal. We'll recover from the attacks. They can even take your life. You'll recover. You mean, what do you mean take my life and I'll recover? What did Paul say? For me to live as Christ, to die is what? Gain. To die is gain. But the wicked, what happens to him or her? Eternal punishment. Hell. I mean, and, and listen, how, how many of you like punishment? Nobody likes punishment, do they? Okay? There is one wonderful thing about punishment, isn't it? It's only for a moment, right? But I'm going to be honest with you, that's the way it is right now. But later in eternity, it isn't for the moment. It's for eternity. See, that's what makes hell so terrible. That's what makes hell so terrible. Even here in our human world, punishment is only for the moment. But for the wicked, you know, we'll recover. We'll recover. But for the wicked, they'll suffer. That's the point that the wise were telling us there in verses 15 through 16. Look now at verses 17 through 18. We're going to look at the 28th saying. And this one maybe is something that we need to focus on a little bit here. Look at what he says in verse 17 through 18. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. And do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. Lest the Lord see it and it displease him. And he turns away his wrath from him. All right, now here's the point I want you to see. It dishonors God to rejoice over the misfortune of your of our enemies. It dishonors God to rejoice over the misfortune of our enemies. Listen, how many of you got enemies? There should be a hand everywhere here. But those of you who don't raise your hand, you've got one, you just don't know it. Now, let me ask you something. When they fall on hard times, or when they get their due, if they're wicked, or when something bad happens to them, what is our normal human tendency, especially if there are enemies? What is our normal human tendency? Yeah, all right, to celebrate. Yes, Luke said to celebrate. Yeah, to, it's, it's like, yeah, now he's getting it. Payback time. Yeah, it's about time, yes. What goes around comes around. And how many of us enjoy that? Be honest. Raise your hand. Yeah, they deserve what they get, is what Shirley said. But I want you to notice something. Now, notice the perspective of the wise. The perspective of the wise is, is that when you and I have those attitudes, when we gloat, when we... Celebrate. We dishonor God. Now, why do you think that is? Why, why would God be dishonored by that? Anybody? Why do you think God would be dishonored by that? What's that? Okay, did you hear what uh, Ramona said? Because God forgave us our transgressions. Okay, anybody else? Okay, yes. Yeah, Sam says it might be showing our true heart. Okay, that's good, Sam. Anybody else? Okay, did you hear what Gene said? Even if you're wicked, you're still God's child. 
He wants you to come back. You're right. God has a heart even for the wicked. Remember what the Scripture says. He is willing that what? None should perish. You understand? So listen, when God executes His judgment in the future on, on the wicked, I think He'll do it with a broken heart. Do you understand what I'm saying? Even though He's just and His justice requires that the wicked be dealt with, He'll do it with a broken heart. Why? Because He gave them every opportunity. It's a wonder, it's, it's an amazing passage. All the way in Revelation chapter 3, you'll hear, you'll, you'll hear one of the letters to the uh, churches there. There's a woman who's referred to as Jezebel. Okay? We know her from the Old Testament. She's referred to in the New Testament in the book of Revelation. And one of the interesting things about that letter, that particular letter, is, is that Jesus says when he writes to that church, when he has John write to that church on his behalf, that this woman, he gave her every opportunity to what? Repent. He just didn't deal with her. He gave her every opportunity. See, God has a heart even for the wicked. So when you and I gloat, that dishonors God because that's not his heart. In fact, you said it right, Sam. It reflects our hearts. And here's what it reflects about our heart when we do that. It reflects that we don't have a heart like God's heart. We have a selfish heart. So the next time, and it's going to happen, might happen this week, the next time your enemy, or somebody you can't stand, falls on hard times, think twice. Before you say, yeah! Isn't that right? Yeah, isn't it right? Think twice. Okay, look now at the 29th saying. This is a good one too. Listen to, listen to what, the, what the wise are saying. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the wicked. For there will be no prospect for the evil man. And the lamp of the wicked will be put out. Now here, here's the point I want you to see. This is, this is wisdom. Listen to me, folks. It's foolish to envy the wicked because they are doomed. It's foolish to envy the wicked because they are doomed. Here, can I be honest with you? When you look at your TV sets, can I be honest with you? Look at your TV sets from a biblical perspective and realize what's going on. When they're constantly parading before you Hollywood and the Hollywood rich and showing you what they got and you're watching, we say, I'm not watching, I'm watching, I'm watching home builders or I'm watching, you know, home improvement shows or whatever. Yeah, even when you watch those shows and they're taking you in and showing you the lifestyles and the homes of folks who have money and everything, what is that creating in your heart? Can I be honest with you? Ladies, what is that creating in your heart when you're watching and you're seeing they're redoing your bath. They're redoing the bathroom or something, or redoing the living room. And you're sitting in your living room, and it's got the same old wallpaper that's been on there for 20 years. And you know, what's that doing in your heart? Discontent, what? Envy. And especially if you look at them, and it's and it's somebody who is wicked. They got a wicked life. They don't care about God. And you're sitting there saying, "Man, you know, I love you, Jesus, but..." I got the same old furniture. Same old furniture. Same old guy sitting in the furniture. 
<laughs> Isn't that true? Isn't it true? You know, and here's, here's what the Proverbs is saying to you and I. The Proverbs is saying to you and I, don't be envious. Listen, again, this, is, this proverb, this saying here, is talking about an eternal perspective, not a temporal perspective. Be thankful for what you got. Be thankful for where you live. Be thankful for the little you have. Be thankful. And don't worry about somebody else. Somebody hit the big powerball. Oh, I wish I had that money. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't wish you had it. You don't want it. You don't want those problems. And all these different things. Be thankful. Why? Because what you don't understand is the person that you're envying, if they don't know Jesus Christ, all that stuff isn't going to make a difference. They can't take it with them. There was a Christian song one, one time that... that a Christian country singer that's saying, never seen a hearse with a trailer hitch. How many of you have seen a hearse with a trailer hitch? You know? Yeah, some guy may want to be buried in his truck, and we hear about that every once in a while. What a waste of a truck. I mean, so they bury that truck. He can't take it with him. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's going to rust in the ground. You know? So my point is, is that it's foolish for us to envy the wicked. Think eternally. Think, man, when I leave this place, I may not have nothing now. But I've got a lot more coming. A lot more coming. Look now at the, the final saying. The final of the 30 sayings. Remember I told you there were 30 sayings here. We're going to look at the 30th saying, and it's in verses 21 through 22. My son, hear the Lord and the King. Do not associate with those given to change, for their calamity will rise suddenly. And who knows the ruin those two can bring? Okay, here's the point. People should fear God and the government, for both punish the rebellious. This is an indictment on our culture today, this thing. I'll explain to you what I mean. Notice what it says. People should fear God and the government for both punish the rebellious. Can I ask you a question? Is that true in our culture today, that people fear God and the government? Lou said, absolutely not. Actually, I think they go hand in hand. When you remove God, the fear of God in a culture... The next thing is you no longer fear the government. And isn't that true today? You say, what do you mean nobody fears the government? I fear the IRS. Well, yeah, we all fear the IRS, right? We don't want that letter coming. You're being audited. That'll, that'll make everybody drop to their knees, right? But let me ask you something. Are we raising a culture today where people fear the police? Are we raising a culture today where we have respect and fear for our leaders in our country? Are we raising a culture where we have respect for our military? What's the answer? 
We don't fear government anymore. I just need to hire a better lawyer. Isn't that the way it is? There's no fear of government anymore. See, the two go hand in hand. People should fear God and the government. Why? Because they're the ones who punish the rebellious. Now listen, when you lose the fear of the government and you lose the fear of God, what's that going to say to you about your, your culture after a while, ultimately? Chaos is what Bruce said. Why is there chaos? Because nobody is going to allow them to what? Punish the wicked. Isn't that true what's going on today? We're, it's no longer the society of what's better for society. You know, we want to get people off on technicalities. And, we, and we're excited when they do get off. That's our culture. And see, so the wise are very, very wise here, aren't they, when they say to us, who knows the ruin the two can bring? God can bring some serious harm to a nation. You know what? He may already be. Can I be honest with you folks? America is not exempt from the judging hand of God. Does anybody understand me? And the government, the government, you know, like I said, there is something called the IRS, isn't there? And we, we fear that. So that's the point of the 30th thing. Now, what we're going to look at now, the rest of our time here is verses 23 through 34. We're going to look at some additional sayings. These are some additional sayings that Solomon has compiled here from the wise uh, that give us some key thoughts that you and I need to have as far as our lives. So these are some sayings that Solomon, some additional sayings outside of the original 30, from these wise men of his time, that he has given us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So look with me, first of all, at verse 23. Look at the first part there. These things also belong to the wise. So this is an introductory statement. So here's what he's saying. He's saying here, these are sayings in addition to the 30 sayings from the wise. So these are sayings that we're going to look here, and there are seven of them. Some of them have some subparts here. Seven sayings that are in addition from the wise that you and I need to pay attention to. So let's notice, first of all, verses 23 through 25, we're going to talk about issues of judgment. So we're going to see issues and judgment. So look with me. In verse 23 there, it is not good to show partiality and judgment. He who says to the wicked, you are righteous, him the people will curse. Nations will abhor him. But those who rebuke the wicked will have delight, and a good blessing will come upon them. So first of all, notice in verse 23 we see the issue of partiality. And let me be honest with you, this is one that every one of us struggles with here. Does everybody here recognize that you are partial to somebody? Everybody recognize that? You might be partial to your own kids. You might be partial to family. You might be partial to somebody of your own race. You might be partial to somebody of your own culture. You, have, you, show, you and I show partiality. You know, my partiality is I like people who eat cheeseburgers. You know, if you tell me you don't like a cheeseburger, I don't like you. Okay? 
No, but that, that's not the point here. Notice the partiality issue. Here's the point. Partiality in judging is condemned. If you and I judge someone else based upon our partiality, that's condemned. Let me give you an example. I can give you a real-life example. I'm not from the North. I'm from South Carolina. And I'll be honest with you, I was raised in a home where, where, where there was definitely attitudes towards African Americans. I was raised in that kind of home. And there was a partiality in judgment, period, on anything. It didn't matter if an African American was a nice, upstanding guy, educated, whatever, lived in a nice home. There was already a mindset that I was raised with that said, they must be dirty. They must be dirty. Now, we have some folks here from the South, they, they know what I'm talking about. That was a general mindset. I'm going to be honest with you, that's an extreme case. But let me tell you what the Word of God says. That is condemned. That is condemned. Now, okay, I'm going to move it further from the South now, because I don't want to pick on Southern folks, because I think they got their act together down there now a little bit. But I'm going to move it up here to the north now, where you folks live. Ooh, what do you mean? Because you can have the same attitudes, except it isn't white towards black. It's now a middle class. You're lower class. I'm management. You're union. You're Italian. I'm Irish. I'm German. Y'all are in trouble. <laughs> you see my point? We have the same attitudes here, don't we? Oh, look, here's one. Here's one. This is real, really real in our community right now. I'm clean. You're a druggie. Isn't that true? Did I hit some nerves here? I'm clean. You're a druggie. And we'll judge people based upon that. And my friends, what the wise are saying here is what? Partiality in judging is what? Condemned. Can't get away from it. Listen, when you and I stand before God, when we hold others and we judge them, I've got to give an account for that. I've got to give an account for that later on. So what does that mean, George? I think you've got to change your mindset. I think you've got to change your mindset. I think you've got to change your mindset. That's the point that's being made here. So, we see the issue of partiality and what God says concerning that. Now look at the issue of verse 24, which is the miscarriage of judgment. And notice, here's, here's the point. Here's, here's what he's saying. And this is why I think our, our culture is in trouble. He says this, letting the guilty go free is not good. Letting the guilty go free is not good. Let me, let me explain something to you. Wow. Man, this is so, so true. What do you think it communicates to our young people when they watch the news and they see somebody get off scot-free What do you think that communicates? They can do whatever they want to do, and they just need to get home. Get a good lawyer. 
Letting the guilty go free is not good. Not holding them accountable is not good. That's the point that we're talking about here. Now, some of you are really shocked at me. Listen, you guys got to wake up. You got to wake up. We're losing a whole generation here. You got to wake up. If you still think this is the Christian country it used to be 30 years ago, you're living in a dream world. And when we have a culture here, the wives are saying to us, look, notice what it says, verse 24. Read what it says. He who says to the, who, he who says to the wicked, you are righteous, him the people will curse. Now why will the people curse him? Because ultimately that will bring such problems in this culture. The people will curse those who led us down that road. So let's go on there. One other point I want you to see there. Perverting justice, perverting justice results in leaders being cursed and denounced. And there's all kinds of stuff that is happening today where justice is being perverted. And it's all, can I be honest with you, what's the bottom line today in our culture? Justice can be perverted as long as you have what? Money. Isn't that right? There is no equality. I mean, you are, you are in another dream world if you think there is. That's the culture that we live in today. Let's go on now. Look at true justice. We see this in verse 25. But those who rebuke the wicked will have delight, and a good blessing will come upon them. Here's the point I want you to see. Exercising judgment, justice, exercising justice against the guilty brings judges respect and appreciation. Exercising justice against the guilty brings judges respect and appreciation. Okay, now let's go on. Let's look at the next saying, verse 26. He who gives a right answer kisses the lips. What in the world does that mean? Here, I'll tell you what it means. A truthful answer is a mark of friendship. A truthful answer is a mark of friendship. He who gives the right answer kisses the lips. A kiss is a, an affection. It is, it is a, a sign of affection and it is a, it is, it is an intimate thing. So when you give a right answer, that's, that's, when you give a truthful answer, that's an intimate thing. That's an intimate thing for you and I to do. And so the whole point is, is that, what does that mean about our friendship? So if you have somebody who's always lying to you, what does that say about your friendship? It's not good, is it? Truthfulness needs to be a mark of friendship. So you see that there. Now look at verse 27. We're going to look at the issue of financial stability. Look with me. The wise have something to say about our issue of financial stability. Prepare your outside work. Make it fit for yourself in the field. And afterward, build your house. Now here's the point. Oh, and this is so true today. Listen to what he's saying here. Attend to your work before attending to your more immediate creature comforts. How many of you have folks working under you? Have you noticed that sometimes they'll not want to go to work because today they got something better to do at home? How many of you had that happen? Yeah, a lot of you have. How many of you have seen that happen? 
You know? This is what we're talking about. What's wrong with that kind of thinking? Anybody? What's wrong with that? You're, you're a manager. What's, what's wrong with that kind of thinking? You gave him a job and you needed, and what was his decision? What did he decide? Yeah, he put himself above the rest of the team. Here's the point. It's important to have one's priorities straight. Because let me ask you something. The wiser make a good point here. If you're going to just stay home, like I've seen some folks, you know, who do that, and they'll say, oh, well, you know, I just want to stay home today. So his priorities are what? Yeah, he's got messed up priorities. And you say, well, well, you know, guys, employers need to just, here's what, some of you are probably, maybe, I hope you're not thinking this, but maybe you're thinking, well, we just need to lighten up. Don't you know people got to live? Well, here's what the wives are saying. You need to work in the field before you build your house. Now, why would they say that? Work in the field before you build your house. Why, why would the wives say that? Anybody? Yeah, it takes money to work on your house. And listen, it's an agrarian culture. So let me just stop for a moment. This is a farming culture. What I'm working on in the field, when harvest time comes, who's going to benefit from that? Yes, everybody is because I'm going to take a portion of what I don't sell. I'm going to take a portion back and it's going to carry me through the what? Winter. But if I don't go out and plant, but I decide, well, you know, the wife's been asking for a sunroom. She wants that bathroom remodeled. Come harvest time, what am I going to have? Sunroom and a, and a new bathroom, but a cold sunroom because I don't have money for heat. See, that's the point that he's making here. It's so obvious, isn't it? It's just common sense, isn't it? Okay, people are not in tune. Is that, what were you going to say, sir? You agree with that, Sam? All right, listen, people aren't attuned. Why do you think they're not in tune to that? Why do you think people are not in tune to that today? So they're thinking they're they're living for now is what you're saying, Bruce. Yeah. Okay, we've got all right, you hear what Ken says. He said that a lot of people think the government owes them. Okay, the world owes them. Everybody owes them. Is that a prevalent attitude in our culture today? So now, if I don't want to go to work, I don't go to work. What do you mean you're going to fire me? I've been a good worker. And see, that's the attitude today. And this is what the wise are saying here. Attend to your work before attending to your immediate creature comforts. Look, we're raising a culture today that doesn't know what suffering is. That doesn't know what hardship is. You see what I'm saying, though? The, the wise, listen to what the wise are saying. Get your priorities right. Our priorities today are so messed up, I'm worried about my comfort. I'm worried about my comfort. But you've got to remember something else comes before that. Look, we're going to finish up with these sayings here. Look at verse 28. Do not be a witness against your neighbor without cause. For would you deceive with your lips? Here's the point. Being deceptive in what one says in court is wrong. Again, it's talking about being a false witness. And again, that's another thing in our culture. Lying doesn't mean anything today. You know, I, I remember I had a friend in Canada. He would say a saying. He's, he's now gone. 
on to be with the Lord, and he would say, Lying is an abomination to God, but a great help in the time of need. And I'll be honest with you, that's an attitude a lot of people have today. And here it's saying, to be a, it's deceptive and wrong for you to I to say things in court that are wrong. Or look now at the issue of vengeance, verse 29. Do not say, I will do to him just as he has done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. Here's what we're saying here. Rather than giving in to the vengeful spirit, one should avoid retaliation. I don't care what they did to you. I don't care what they did. You don't know what they did to me. I understand. I don't know. But I don't really care. You shouldn't have the attitude of having vengeance on them. Why? Because it will eat you. It will consume you. And even if you had the vengeance and a retaliation, it won't be satisfied. True satisfaction only comes in watching God deal with it. That's the reality. Let's go on now. We're going to look at the last part. I guess this kind of connects up there with the issue of financial stability. Uh, we're going to look at the last part. It has to do with laziness, verses 30 through 34. Here's the last part of chapter 24. Notice what it says. I went by the field of a lazy man. And by the vineyard of a man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to rest. So shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. So here, notice what he's saying here. First of all, the state of the sluggard's field. The sage, the sage observes the poor condition of the sluggard's field. The sage observes the poor condition of the sluggard's field. He walks by a field, and some of you have walked by fields. Some of you have walked by homes. And it's like same old plastic hanging on the side, and they can't get it done. You notice the field and good soil. Next door is a farm that's really doing well. This farm, man, what in the world's going on there? And that's the point. He walks by and he observes the poor condition of the sluggard's field. And then notice something. He, in his observation, he has a lesson. The sage learned a lesson from what he observed. So when you go by somewhere like that, there's a lesson there. There's a lesson there. There's a lesson there. And you and I need to observe the lessons around us. And so finally, here's what he says. Here's the point. Here's the lesson. Staying in bed and resting when it's time to work leads to poverty. If you're going to stay at home, don't come complaining to your boss about you're not getting paid enough. Bruce, I just need a raise, man. I'm just not making enough money. Sell more stuff. Okay. Show up. Oh, that, that just isn't right, man. You just put too much demands on me. You know? What do you mean, Rod, i got to show up and swing a hammer? I thought you were just going to send me a check. Isn't that what we talked about? Isn't that true? Isn't that the idea today? 
Staying in bed and resting will lead to poverty. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Let's apply the Proverbs to our life. Who's the lesson to be learned by? Anybody? Yes, by us. The wise. Are you calling me wise? Yeah, you're wise. You should be. Is this something you teach a fool? No, they're not going to see it. So even like with, even if Bruce with this whatever this person or Rod, let's say the guy that doesn't want to swing a hammer, is Rod and Bruce wasting their time trying to instruct this guy? Ultimately, yes, because it's going to be the wise who will understand. A fool will he understand? No, the Proverbs are very clear. This is why I'm talking about applying the Proverbs. The fool will despise. Remember what Proverbs says. The fool will despise instruction and wisdom. In fact, Proverbs is saying, don't waste your breath. Don't waste your breath. And that's the whole point there. And that's true for all of us, whether we work under somebody or we're over somebody. When you have somebody who doesn't want to listen to you, and if all you are is you're talking to them and your words are falling on the ground in front of them, what does that mean to you? You've got to quit talking to them because they don't, they can't, they're, they're not there, they're not fool, they're foolish. And they despise instruction. Despise instruction. See, there's wisdom there. You gain it. So you learn, learn to, learn the lesson. What's the lesson? Don't stay in bed. Don't stay in bed. Let's close our time in prayer and get ready for the morning worship service.